Hello, and welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, we love seeing you live every Thursday night in the Facebook land or in the YouTube land. So just remember, your chats are always fun, but can show up on the show. And if you can't catch us live, we love seeing you in the replays or in your favorite podcasting app. You know me. My name is John Ruark. I am a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. And next up for his introduction, Jason Richards. Hey, Jason. Hello, John. How's Hello. it going? Hello. <laughs> hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Jason Richards here, past master of Acacia Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and also member of Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. Nice. Awesome. And last but not least for tonight, always master Joe Martinez. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, yeah, so so FYI, uh, I had the YouTube open and your intro. You did your intro twice. Oh, I so did. Interesting. It was there, yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm still Joe Martinez. I'm still Worshipful Master of Manasseh Lodge Number One Eighty Two, and I guess we're doing all our lodges tonight. Jason, who so. who knew that LMIP stood for Life Master in Perpetuity? <laughs> there are there That's are nice. hand expressions that I can do right now, but it will void out are pg-13 rating so true. i will not do them so joe martinez that lodge let's see benjamin b french number 15 in the grand lodge of dc uh ezekiel bates lodge no number grand lodge massachusetts and Harmon lodge number 420 in the grand lodge of north carolina so i paid lots of dues great to see nice. y'all awesome that's super you're awesome, awesome. To have you here. you're awesome no you're awesome no you're awesome you're awesome, awesome. but it'd be nice where's juan where's juan Where's Juan? Who's awesome? You're awesome. That was a Juan thing. <clears throat> it's going to get spicy. Let's go and... Good thing we have plenty of... Uh, not, stream, a not, a, not a sponsor. Soda stream. Oh, Delicious beverage. Let's give a special shout out to our patrons. So if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable for lots of goodies and hugs and kisses from Joe Martinez. Look, okay. if Suncard can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> like, can do. And like when, when John says hugs and kisses, literally like hip to hip, close in, hugs, meaningful, meaningful, not those vapid ones you do at the night. It will take you like, right back to your third degree. Right back. That's right. Yep. Right back to prom night. That's where we're going. Yep. So oh, we are in a mood tonight. Uh, can I just say, <laughs> can I just say uh, what a fun show that was we did for the Patreons? last time uh, was yes. I thoroughly that was enjoyed a super it. fun show i love the interaction i love the questions it was great um so thank you to all of you that was really fun i had fun oh that was great now fun time's over back to yep. our regular schedule back program. to stuff and learning back to, back to education <laughs> education uh, okay uh next up on the agenda is tarot card of the week what Woo. So let's go pull this up to stage. Let's find the tarot cam. Tonight we are using the tarot cam. I don't have a tarot cam. Tarot cam. I even have a tarot cam. Why don't I have a tarot cam, John? Uh, we'll figure that out. Because we're tarot waiting for Sun Card's pledge to go through before we buy you one. <laughs> okay, right on. We're using the Bones Arcana or Arcana. Like, it's a good deck. 
Arcana. So, uh, it's, you'll see it's based on the Rider weight Smith system, but has a fancy little twist that I thoroughly enjoy, which is, we'll do uprights only tonight. Oops, all bones. <laughs> Oops, all skeletons. We have the Queen of Wands. It's a bones day. So, the Queen of Wands. I really like the Queen of Wands. It comes up a lot for me. And here's, here's what I, here's what inspiration I get from the Queen of Wands. Uh, it's a feminine figure and it's also like very energetically charged, right? So I think of like your, uh, your boss woman, your, your, your woman who doesn't take crap from anybody. Uh, you, you know, those, those people in your life that are independent, very independent women. And so what, what kind of qualities do they exude, right? They, they, uh, can take care of themselves. They are, um, not shy. They're very extroverted. And, um, it really gives me a lot of, uh, inspiration for like you how to approach certain, certain things during the day. So queen of wands, good card, very, yeah. very powerful, sassy in your face. Upbeat. It's an upbeat card. I mean, yes. the, this particular queen of wands is not upbeat. She's missing her skin and flesh, but yes. besides that, she's really upbeat and she's super jazzy. Ooh, that's a pretty one too. Oh, let's see this other queen of wands we got here. That's nice. You couldn't wait to show this new deck. I know. No, I'll, I'll show it off next week. In earnest, I'm very excited about this deck. I could tell. Couldn't wait a whole week. It may very well be my favorite one of all time. Uh, can we said like, last... that, that needs to go on the freaking bingo card. This is my favorite tarot deck of all time. Uh, good stuff. Joe, may very well like, be. I'm going to be so nice to you. You should though. stop being mean to me, Joe. Like, I'm going to be so nice to you. You'll, you'll scare off our patrons. For our patrons, I will be nice yeah. to you. As, okay, you, as you wish. Yeah. Mea culpa. All right. Let's go. Tonight's topic is the hive mind or the beehive and Freemasonry. So tonight we'll talk about the history, the symbolism, the esotericism, and the modern application of the symbol of the beehive. I thought we were going to talk about the Borg or something tonight with the Borg, Ooh. the hive mind thing. Yeah. The hive, yeah. Simulation. We are one. Yes. So Joe, I haven't told you, like I'm, I got, uh, my parents, paramount plus so i'm like all binging star star trek now tng so i'm i'm all oh welcome uh, I've, I've got the got the hit again so welcome, no one cares man. yeah okay I let's care. It, no one who matters cares there we go see oh look at that damn <laughs> you got muted let's talk about oh, we're all punchy tonight this is fun <laughs> let's talk about the beehive so the beehive as a masonic symbol right um teaches us in our third degree <laughs> you're not wrong sun card i did say star wars wrong there's my lightsaber back there um the beehive teaches us to be industrious so we're going to dive deep on the history and symbolism of the beehive and i think no better way to start than to reach to joe's deep rabbit hole knowledge he says how, how deep can we go tonight john i said go all the way down uh so let's let's talk about down before like, we apply freemasonry like 2 a.m like golden corral deep that's how we're going yeah. right oh nice you get the, the meat sweats and then start seeing things right Let's... everything <laughs> well how about we talk about the ritual first because you're going okay. from like like let's not go rabbit hole in the first 10 sure? minutes okay yeah i think we should I'm talk about the ritual let's do the tutorial first 
tutorial. Oh. So if if you like, I have it. I have it handy. I um, and I'm, this ahead. is from MasonicTrial.com, so nobody can yell that we're reading from their ciphers or whatever, whatever those things are called, where you can actually have written ritual because we don't have that here. <laughs> Must be nice. Must be nice. So uh, from the MasonicTrial.com, it sounds very similar, and I've heard it before. So the beehive is an emblem of industry and recommends the practice of that virtue to all created beings from the highest seraph in the heavens to the lowest reptile of the dust. It teaches us that as we come into the world endowed as rational and intelligent beings, so we should ever be industrious ones, never sitting down contented while our fellow creatures are around us in want, when it is in our power to relieve them without inconvenience to ourselves. Boom. The beehive. Awesome. So there you go. So those are some words that may be familiar to a lot of Masons. And we have to think about it in terms of when the, um, when the words were actually written and added, right? So I tried to do a little bit of research before the show to find out when did we actually see this innovation in our ritual? Because uh, it is a third degree only thing, which was the, the OG innovation in Masonry. Um, Making me so proud. And as, uh, as I believe Nunya Business pulls out, that uh, the beehive is a modern innovation done by the infamous Preston Webb rituals, right? It is not something that you would normally see in early exposés way, way back, right? So this is something that... Or in Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. Or UGLE. Right. <clears throat> so this is... Why uh, infamous, though? I mean... Infamous. It's very labely. It's a little labely. It's Sorry. the... It's the oldest new thing that we've added. It is so. the oldest new thing. Yeah, so so I, I, I'll see your Preston Webb and I'll raise you emulation ritual. <laughs> yes. They keep Come on the, depending on which, you know, yeah. side let's, of the city you're watching. Let's just read and never move and be completely standing uh, still. We need to do an emulation ritual episode. That would be fun. We'll just be standing, talking to each other, never moving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. So yeah, so it is a, a relatively, it, so in other words, it's not like found in like the old charges per se, right? It's not something that you can really dig de deep on um, ancient craft masonry uh, to pull from. There's not a lot of speculative masonry found in the old charges. But that doesn't, true, but that also doesn't mean <laughs> that there isn't symbolism of the beehive and what it represents Sorry, I throughout I like too many negatives in a row. It's it did it's, not mean that there weren't. It's not unlike unlike the of yeah. what you were not suggesting. I think a blood vessel <laughs> burst right here when <laughs> quadruple negative, quadruple negative. But yeah, no, I, I think to your to get back on track. Or I'm trying. To. Um, yes, I'm I'm there with you. So I mean, let's start with the the surface level stuff. It's an emblem yeah. of industry. Okay, what does, bees, right. what does that mean? What does that mean? Exoterically, worker bees try not to be just a mindless drone in society. Try to contribute, try to add value, try to be a productive be a member of society, right? Yep. What else, Jason? I would say be a good citizen, um, be Play industrious. The, the idea that like idle hands are the devil's work. And so keep yourself busy for the betterment of society and you know, all well, that fun that's stuff. That's that's the touch point, right? And and why it's interesting that we chose the beehive, right? Because no single bee in that hive is doing his own crap, right? It's not just for himself or his little part of the beehive. It's not like, you know, one of those awful 
90s movies that my kids would like ants and what's the other one the b movie you know all the animated yeah. ones um a bug's life yeah a bug's life you know they're not doing it for their own little part of zootopia the they live in so, yeah yeah um yes the barbie movie there's no but, anarchists um, in the bee colony no there's <laughs> not. they're doing work for the pure simple reason of bettering the whole and no other reason the greater right? good mm-hmm. right Right. So that's, that's certainly the, the exoteric lesson we should take away from, from that symbol, right? Is that, hey, as bees are industrious, so should we as men and masons, you know, try to be productive members of society in whatever context that, that means, right? So we can certainly have a lot of good discussion about what that means in a modern sense today. Before we do, I do want to go deep. I want to see. I want to see what Joe pulled up as far as okay. some of the symbolism. So let's separate masonry aside. Let's se- let's separate the exoteric, and let's just say, as a symbol in other traditions. I know you did some really cool research. I want to hear about uh, the symbolism of the bees, beehive, etc. Yeah. So I did find a couple of a uh, couple of papers. Uh, you know, when I tried to find more esoteric. Uh, meanings when it comes to the beehive, not just the, Hey, be industrious and don't be a schmutz and take a nap, you know, uh, while you're, while your buddies are working. Um, and I did find some interesting things. One that I found super interesting, uh, was a paper done by in the square magazine, uh, which is a Masonic magazine, but it talked about the esoteric symbolism of the beehive. Um, let's see, it was in 2020 and it was written by, uh, Dr. Kretz. Uh, and I don't know your initials, sorry, Dr. Kretz, but uh, talking about how the beehive is an esoteric sacred feminine symbol, uh, which, yeah, which Ooh. totally got me jazzy there. Um, he writes about how it is found in the Johannine and the Marianist traditions in Christianity, and that struck a chord with me. I actually, uh, if you can't tell why I'm so weird, it's because I went from to Catholic school from kindergarten to 12th grade. So for everybody on YouTube, that's that's why I'm the way I am. And my high school was actually a Marianist high school. And I didn't know what that meant back in the day. And then, you know, you figure out as, as you go on what that means. So this is a sect of brothers and nuns and, and priests that are dedicated to the dedicate themselves to the Virgin Mary. Okay. Or the Mary symbol, which is already, you know, we're delving into a lot of sacred feminine there uh, esoterically, you know, not religiously. But how they talk about, so Dr. Kretz, he wrote a really interesting paper about how the beehive has to do with the sacred feminine and its relation to the industriousness that happens all for one individual within that beehive. And that's the queen, right? All the drones, all the worker bees, they all do everything that they do in service to the queen, right? So they build the hive, they pollinate plants, they bring nectar, they create pollen uh, to turn into honey, they defend it, they care for the young. All of these things service one single person or one entity, and that's the queen bee. And there's only one queen inside that entire hive. So um, he goes on and on to, to talk about the sacred feminine and gets a little... Gets a little crazy, which I find super interesting. Uh, but, you know, just from a very high surface level, uh, I found it super interesting that you you pull those sacred feminine ideas from that singular queen bee found in each hive, you know, and there is only one and there'll ever only be one, right? So that's what I found. Uh. 
<clears throat> so I found I found a couple places throughout history um, where the symbolism of the bee and the beehive has been used. So in ancient Egypt, um, bees were emblematical of givers of life, death, and resurrection. Um, the Greeks and the Romans nice. uh, had beehives representing an ideal society as well as prosperity. Um, you know, beehives in, in the Middle Ages, um, that's amazing. Great comment. Somebody tell the PMs they are no longer the queen. Um, in the European Middle Ages, beehives stood for unity under one rule of law. Um, you know, the spiritual unity of the you know, Christian slash Catholic Church uh, and so forth, so on. Nice. So that, yeah, that's an interesting, again, I look, I like to look for themes for, for how these things interrelate. Um, so that, yeah, those are, those are real nice, um, nice spinoffs of that. So one thing that I was really curious about, uh, is then how to, how to apply this, right? So we get the, the ritual words and we get told kind of what that exoteric meaning is, but then if we're all about taking good men and making them better, and then we show them the picture of this beehive and say, great, go do something like this, right? What's the next step? Like, how do I apply that in a productive sense, right? And like most things in ritual, it leaves the interpretation <laughs> at the surface and then lets the, the mason figure that out. And so what does it mean to be industrious? Again, let's, let's fast forward now to 2023 and say, how does an industrious mason what does that look like what does that mean why is that a an important moral lesson that we need to um include in our fabric of being uh so that we apply these lessons of masonry out in the out in the real world as we we leave lodge how do we um how do we act as industriously as possible so i'm going to open yeah. it up what are your what are your thoughts I'll go first. Um, uh. I hate you so much. Um, oh, as you wish. As you wish. There we so, go. I, yes, I love you. So I think that, again, I think people take the service level meaning of the beehive and apply it very generically, unfortunately, right? It's like, go be industrious. Go be busy bees, right? For, for uh, lack of a better term. And... They're wrong, unfortunately, right? It's not just be, just make yourself busy. Uh, I think Jason said earlier, you know, idle hands make, you know, the devil's work. And that's not really what we're teaching. Um, you know, you don't need to join masonry to learn, you know, go do something instead of stare at your phone and watch TikToks for 12 hours. Um, no, you, you can go do that at the Rotary if you want. Yeah. Go do that at the Kiwanis Club or, yes, or if you're having a tuna melt at uh, whatever favorite, uh, you know, veterans place, you know, serves that um, American Legion, love the American Legion, make good food anyway. But uh, it's, I think the, the Masonic part of it, they don't, that's right. Sun card. Um, you're throwing me off hard. They, uh, it's not just being busy for busy sake. It's going out and using those Masonic lessons, right. That we've talked about over and over and over again of, improving 
your small part of the world and that organically will improve the lives of others and the community around you and that'll grow and blossom and, and become god i hate you um, yeah so pollinating green beans they do they do um so 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 totally aside um my uh my lodge is uh you guys know about this because because you did one already they uh i'm having a memorial brick fundraiser and all the officers of the lodge have bet me to eat a whole plate of canned green beans whole can whole can live well, I, was, I was there, there oh, 14 and a can. half Fourteen and a half ounces um, of green beans live on some social media platform, and they will buy two, two Masonic bricks for our Masonic brick garden. Um, wow. So yeah, so that's coming uh, close to October. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get the Knights and Squires involved, and I will live stream my eating <laughs> of a terrible can of green beans. But Including going back to the juice. No, see, the juice was not part of the deal, and that's BS, and I'm calling BS on that. So it's not the, not the green bean water, which bees have nothing to do with. So that's humankind that does that. But anyway, don't just go out and do busy stuff. Um, do something that improves yourself as a human being, improves the lives of those near and dear to you, your family, your friends, your loved ones, and let that useful industry blossom forth, right, and, and improve the lives of everybody around you. Um, I think that's what we're trying to say. But again, we just take that, you know, most, most Masons, sorry to say, they just take that surface level meeting. I'm going to go be a busy worker. I'm going to go do this a lot. And they think about quantity over quality. So, yeah. Now, one thing um, that Virginia has a different flavor of, of that description you read and they go a little deeper, right? Where they talk about that. Basically we're not, we're not born to be an independent creature, right? Because after you're born, you still need someone to care for you, protect you, feed you, etc. Right? So, Indigent and helpless. Yes. Right. We are dependent beings by our existence. Okay. So it says basically after you become self-reliant, then you also need to be a social creature and that your productivity in the world, right? It should be also one of reciprocal love and friendship it should be one where that and i love i love the words here so i'm going to quote it um you should add to the common stock of knowledge and practical philanthropy and i, I love that word choice there right so What's practical philanthropy right um and that's up to the that's up to the interpretation of of the individual but that, that so if is i just the, give money so i just give money to saint jude's or the Shriners Hospital, that's, I can check that box. It's practically correct. Yes. Oh. I mean, both great charities. Yes. And so otherwise, if you're, if you're not really doing those two things, according to the uh, appendix in the, the Grand Lodge of Virginia version, right, then you're still just a drone of nature, right? Just aimlessly doing stuff and things and not actually contributing to value of society. So that's what I, I like how they modify it to, to specify adding to the common stock of knowledge and practical philanthropy. So it's not just being a social creature that donates to the March of Dimes or, you know, the, 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 the bell ringing at Christmas, right? That kind of thing. It's, it's to actually give to society. Now, if Robert Johnson were here, <clears throat> he'd probably go even a step further and say, shouldn't it be the Mason's? moral responsibility 
to actually work for social justice, to work for uh, social programs, right? To support that as if this is our charge as Masons, then shouldn't we have a more institutionalized established way of supporting social unity, social harmony? What do you think guys? Well, I want to, I want to go back a second on those, those <laughs> okay. two definitions. Okay. Let's go. Um, practical philanthropy and contributing to the body of knowledge. If masonry is an organization designed to take good men and make them better, wouldn't an emblem shush Joe, you're fine. I love you as you wish. Um, as wouldn't you it, as you um, wouldn't it make sense for, you know, an industrious Mason to be able to keep himself busy contributing to the mentorship and personal and spiritual development of his fellow Freemason. Does the beehive naturally have to extend outside of Ooh. the fraternity? Is that practical philanthropy? I would argue. Yes, I would agree with you. Okay. No, obviously it can be taken too far because, uh, you know, I won't name any names, but there's a lot of grandmasters that say we support charity like our Masonic home and like our Masonic youths and like our Masonic X, Y, Z. You're like, okay, right. if you cool. got a card, you get, you get to participate. Yeah. It's, <laughs> if you buy have this Masonic tie buy this yeah. Masonic hat, like, okay, I got it. That's cool. Like help each other out, help, help a brother out. But Still, that still seems very insular. I, I think back to Jason's comment or question, if it was, I think that, yeah, it does. I think it does mean that we need to extend it out far past the fraternity, right? Because if we lump up the fraternity and put it all together into one place, we're a tiny, tiny, tiny microcosm of the whole, right? And I think our lodges are, again, microcosms of the whole of society. I wish it was a room full of... sure enlightened free thinkers that exactly were their only goal was to change the world, but that's yeah. not so, you know, they're yeah. people too. Even if we only took care of ourselves, right. Mathematically, we have what 330 million Americans, about yeah. a, less than a million Masons in, in the United States. So then now we're talking what a third of a percent of the population is a Mason. So it's a very small, small fraction uh, if we're even trying to take care of ourselves john we're not a charity organization when we talk about charity we're talking about agape love no you are and john is <laughs> and everybody else is not <laughs> practical philanthropy is a natural outgrowth of... and paul the apostle but that's a different conversation oh. <laughs> so yeah that's that's a good point right um paul was a weirdo he was, he was. So yeah, so practical philanthropy. So if we're not navel gazing at the fraternity and trying to help out just another fellow brother, which is certainly commendable, but yet I think that misses the spirit of the law here when we talk about the symbol of the beehive. Well, I, I out in the community. Let's, I mean, let's, let's, if we're going to stick to your explanation, adding the Virginia ritual and let's talk about the charge at the end of uh, the master Mason's, uh, lodge when it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's written also, but you know, one of the things it says, and I'll paraphrase is, you know, 
do great things, do lovely things, love one another, all this stuff. But then right after that, it says every human being has a claim upon your kind offices. So not just the dudes you like, not even the ones we don't like, even the ones you don't like every human being. But but you recommend it more especially to your brothers. Sure. Yeah. You're not wrong. Kind of fuzzed it at the end, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but you're absolutely right. Um, It goes back to kind of like, what, what are we, we to do after we leave lots? Right. And we're supposed to be moral, just upright citizens in society. Bottom line. Right. And, we don't get a lot of direction beyond that. And so that, that is left to the individual to determine what does that mean in the context of their society, in their community, etc. Can, can we, I've still been thinking about um, the social justice question that you asked. And right. I've, I've been thinking so, about an answer there. I was trying to, to duck that one. I, I want to know. Let's, he could come in and say I'm wrong but I, I know he has said in the past things that encourage the like and, and let me be generous to his standpoint that he says that we as Masons if this is a value of ours we should do more to systematically uh, institutionalize those values out in the community H- however that looks Right. That if, if we say we're if we say we're all for this, why aren't we all as a group of Masons supporting this wholeheartedly? Was that rhetorical or did you want an answer? That is rhetorical from Robert's perspective. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Cause I would say, yeah, you're hundred percent right. But I, I think the problem is, you know, maybe to summarize the problem, because we don't have we could do a whole show about this, is the things that the things that we would fight in the cause of justice have become so entrenched in political talk that unfortunately your yeah. average mason is just going to put the guards up and say oh no that's political we can't nope shut yeah. up and we're not talking about that you know save it for the parking lot but so none of that you know we don't have that process of of desire to change our local community around us as maybe let's say the founding fathers did right where they actually met in lodges and were like we got to start setting stuff on fire and just throwing rocks through windows and just getting crazy up in here like we're not doing that so we're not throwing tea into the harbor no and so yeah it we do have large institutional charities though which is nice right we do have things like the shriners hospitals we do have things like the knights templar eye foundation we do have things that we collectively add a lot to but what about bob says it's just like after church when christians will cut people off in traffic and under tip the uh, the waitress right so yeah you want to make sure that like you're actually uh, exuding those values outside of the lodge, the ones that are inculcated within it. Yep. Uh, but, but I think I think what we're, what we're saying here is that to get a whole bunch of masons with a lot of different things. So we, we talked about in the green room, who otherwise would be at a perpetual distance from each other because of different belief systems, political views, etc. To then say, hey, we're all going to organize around this one 
coherent set of how do we actually execute those values that we teach that would be that would be much harder to do than to say hey we all agree we should be good people right because that's that's really the core part of foundation uh the foundational part of masonry right it's it's the mm -hmm. the one religion that we can all agree with but we don't get into the details for, for a specific reason because if we go any deeper then we're starting to you know draw draw lines in the road well, I, I think the one thing that you said that was super important that I think most people are going to gloss over is before we ever, before we can ever get to that point of actually being a, a change organization within our lodges, we've got to learn to leave all the outside crap outside. And 90% of Masons, sorry, don't do that. You know, they bring their preconceptions. They bring their, their bigotries. They bring their notions about other people around them into lodge with them. Right. So, you know, and I don't care who you are. Every single lodge has people that do that. Even though you've got lodges that say, Hey, leave all the outside world crap out the door. We don't want to hear it. We don't care. Exactly. To your point, we're all meeting around an altar in this right. place of common ground, but realistically it doesn't happen that often, which is a bummer, you know? Now, if you look at, Mackey's encyclopedia and under his uh, category, the beehive and his description, uh, he goes, you know, down some symbolism throughout other traditions, but yet he also um, cites that the term industry um, previous to 1717, right. Is had, had a different meaning, especially when you're talking about guild workers who were, building edifices together right and in industry in that context had a different connotation which meant more like um we are all working towards one goal and we need to assign tasks differently depending on skill right according to who can best work and best agree i i like where you're going with that and and but specifically from an operative freemasonry point right it is that if we are all going to build these huge buttresses and everything that we don't have a lot of high tech machinery on, we need to have certain people with certain skill sets to uh, apply their knowledge in a very specific uh, case. And we all need to uh, work together to architect this, this grand design. Is this because you like big buttresses? And you cannot I, lie. I cannot, you cannot lie. lie. Damn it. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, um, as much as I like Mackie and his diligent encyclopedia, um, <laughs> wet blanket of Freemasonry. Yes. Let's, uh, let, we can, we can totally get back to the weird. And, uh, while we were talking, I found that illustrious brother, Manly P Hall wrote about the beehive. What? Yay. No, so, he didn't. Yes, he did. And did he his, write about it before or after he became a Mason? Uh, it was in the secret teaching of all the ages. It was so just a baby. Like 30 years before, but my man had some good points. So yeah, I'm going to read for you. So in the secret teachings, the beehive is found in masonry as a reminder that in diligence and labor for the common good, true happiness and prosperity are found. I can dig it. The bee is a symbol of wisdom for as this tiny insect collects pollen from the flowers. So men may extract wisdom from the experiences of daily life. The bee is sacred to the goddess Venus, and according to mystics, it is one of several forms of life which came to the earth from the planet Venus millions of years ago. 
interesting. Wheat and bananas are said to be of similar origin. So wheat, bananas, and bees are space wheat. people. There's more. Grains of this, wheat? Yes. Or ears of corn. No, bananas. Um, this is the reason why the origin of these three forms of life cannot be traced. The fact that bees are ruled by queens is one reason why this insect is considered a sacred feminine symbol. Boom. Nice. Yet another piece of evidence towards the, the sacred feminine. Yeah, the Venus creatures, I'm going to have to do some more research on because I've not heard that one before. That's but, wild. Yeah, that's new. Did you know bees dance? When they they talk to their uh, their fellow bees, no. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and they like uh, they they like do a specific dance, which actually tells them like which direction to go. So if they go they go off exploring, they go find a, a new patch of flowers. They'll come back to the beehive, shake their butt around, and then uh, all the other bees are like, "Okay, I know where to go." And they that's like <laughs> it tells them the directions to go to the next uh, group of flowers. That was like so, me in the nineties. True story. <laughs> <laughs> hey check this ladies <laughs> somebody comes up shakes a butt it's like where are we going we don't let's, know let's let's go. follow that <laughs> so true story there's your science lesson of the day and a fun one yeah and also a plot device in uh, futurama Good which is back on which is back on loving yeah. it yeah. Oh, yes you're, you're muted, Jason. New episodes of Futurama are great. I know, they're so good. They're so Not good. a sponsor. <laughs> if Billy West wants to, uh, and Matt Groening want to sponsor this show, Ooh, yeah. we will let them. That'll be fun. Call Matt me. Groening, not a Freemason. But we, we certainly would take him. All right. So then the next question is how should one apply the symbolism of the beehive and industriousness into the modern, um, <laughs> can the current queen of a hive be considered a past queen? If she's there for more than one year, the answer is not in Virginia. <laughs> no Virginia bees. Come on. This is a good show. We used to have, <laughs> All right, Jason, how should we actually apply it now in 2023 then? How should we apply the symbolism of the beehive in 2023? And I think when, when I think of the beehive, I I think of banding together uh, different uh, persons, different parts with different responsibilities, all working together to a common goal. Um, I, I see the beehive you know, as, as being somewhat emblematical of harmony in, in society. And so I, I see it very much as us, you know, putting aside, putting aside differences and, and trying to band together for the greater good. I like it. How about you, Joe? How would you recommend a Mason apply the symbolism of the beehive to his non-lodge endeavors? Yeah, I think I think uh, going back to our earlier conversation, it's still oh man, um, you were just throwing me off with the whole green bean crap today. It's pretty again. easy to throw you um, off tonight. It is. It is. Oh, you doing okay? I'm flustering me. Uh, no, I'm definitely not caffeinated enough. But to answer your question, 
I think going back to the earlier part of the conversation where the Mason should not just take it at face value and go find busy work to do and, and consider that a, a you know, a checkbox. You know, I was a good Mason today because I did, you know, my chores and I mowed my lawn and I did the things I was supposed to do. It, it's got to be work or industriousness that benefits you, those around you and society at large. And again, it's, it's, it's infectious, right? If you do it right. Um, but again, and that can include, you know, as we've been talking about practical philanthropy, whether that's monetarily or uh, the use of your time or the use of your resources or the use of your skill sets, uh, all those things that help others, whether they're Masons or not, exemplifies the beehive to me. Um, so again, yeah. it's not just going out and doing stuff, you know, find something right. that is worth worth the cause of a Freemason and go do that and do yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, the way I see it is, it's like picture in your mind the perfect archetype of a productive member of society. Like when you think of a productive member of society, what does that entail? Like what what does that kind of picture in your mind of someone who's out, who's social, who's helping, who's caring, who's financially providing, who's providing their time, who's making, who's leaving the place better than when he found it? Bruce Wayne. Yes. Yes. Be, be Batman. There you go. Yes. There's, there's the well, a lot of people the in the comments are, are uh, I've just been reading the comments and I think mm -hmm. we, we've glossed it. We mentioned it before, but we are glossing over the whole, and you talked about it when you were talking about the ritual, the whole improve yourself intellectually. Um, yes. I think we're, we're, we're glossing over that a bit because it doesn't just mean take out a book and make yourself smarter. It's, no become more open-minded and i think as you interact more with society and maybe parts of society that you've not interacted with before the hope is to become a more open-minded and a, a more heart-centered individual when it comes to those around you right and so broaden broaden your worldview and and perhaps yeah. judge less and become more curious right? oh I'm, re I'm ready to go go deep on that right add to the common stock of knowledge right that means yeah. that you should get beyond your own education and add to the common stock of knowledge. The first thing that comes to mind is that's literally what PhDs do, right? There's that their mm -hmm. goal as a PhD candidate is to do some research that's never been done before. Even if it's in a very esoteric field of study, you are adding to the body of knowledge that ever existed in society. And so if, if we can't all be PhDs, what are you doing? As, a, as an industrious Mason to try to better yourself so that society improves. That's the mm -hmm. real takeaway. So how, how can you be so good, not just from a philanthropic perspective, how can you be so good from an educational perspective that because I am doing this, I am helping others. So what does that look like in our usual vacation, right? If we all visit the same flower, do we grow? Ooh, that's deep. I like deep. that. That's that deep. What about Bob? You get plus 10 points right there. Kudos. Yes. It's a great plus movie too. Masonry points. Mm. Yeah. Cause like in my, in my vocation, and it's probably some of the other guys here, we all have like certifications, right? We are trying to add new skill sets add new certifications, right? It's not just to pad the resume. Daddy Dean needs a new pair of shoes. It's so that we can do something better 
that we couldn't do before with this new knowledge. So I, I really love going down that, that rabbit hole of not just the, the philanthropic part, because that's easy. Like we talk about charity, as Jason said, many times throughout, throughout ritual, but here, what are you doing to better your mind to help others? And it, it's it, almost it like upscaling. Yeah. Mm. Cause it seems counterintuitive. I'm, I'm trying to do something to improve myself. So what does it have to do with others? Well, again, apply it, like actually apply what you've learned. If you're not, if you're learning something and you don't do anything with it, you've wasted your time. Sure. Bottom line, right? It's, it's cool. You filed it away, but if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, I, I think you can, you can take it even bring it in a bit more, uh, tactically right i'm trying to find the right word and so you're out in the world and you're becoming just through just through organic means you're becoming a more open-minded individual and you're growing as a result of that my thought would be to take all this open-mindedness and this expanded worldview that jason was talking about and bring it home teach it to your kids you know um you know your family around you like help them to become more open-minded and have a more encompassing worldview than just what they're getting in home or in school or in their place of worship or whatever, because all those silos are very specific, right? And it's kind of hard to, even in school, you know, I have three school-age kids. It's hard to get an expanded worldview in school or in your place of worship that has a very concentric and very narrow place to play in right and i'm trying to be really specific with my words well, but let me ask well, you this then based on that is it not charged or but maybe encouraged for the mason to expand beyond his priors is it expected of a mason to go beyond his previous value system, knowledge system, vocational system in some degree. I'll answer that in a really crappy way. Our ritual and the lessons we teach tell us to do that, but whether those are actually integrated into that person's daily life, I can't answer. But yeah, we absolutely do teach people that that is the proper way to live a better life. But do people actually do that? Doesn't look like it. Yeah. So we say go off and go off and learn these things, right? You're charged to go to ever to walk and act as such, but Well look, I mean Suncard brings this up. And I mean this you wouldn't think this touches on what we're talking about tonight, but it absolutely does, because what do the seven liberal arts and sciences do? They teach you number one, how to read, uh, because people don't do a lot of reading nowadays. They just consume videos. Makes like sense who read? Uh, Masons who read, um, but then it tells you how to form your own thoughts, how to take those thoughts and form them into coherent discussions with other people. And then it teaches you, the next four teach you all the wonderful ways in which the world you live in works. And isn't it important to know how things work so you can, number one, improve them. Number two, know your place in them. And number two, decide what type of person you're going to be around them. Number three. What? Yes. You want one, two, two. 
I did. Well, come back next week for part arithmetic. Three. That's okay. that's next next week's topic. Okay. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, we should we should be applying. <laughs> Fail number one. Got it. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, you're going to get us demonetized tonight. All I right. So we have covered ancient symbolism. We've covered the exoteric ritual. We've covered the modern interpretation. Venus. Venus. Venus yeah. These are from we Venus. didn't. Sacred one feminine. Things, one of the things we didn't talk about was actually in the Latter-day Saints Church. Yes. The beehive is a very prominent Good emblem. Catch. Good catch. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple comments on that, but that is absolutely true. Um, the beehive factors in uh, as a symbol of industry, teamwork, and unity. Um, but evidence shows that church leaders in the late 1840s had a, had a different concept in mind for the beehive. For them, the beehive represented the kingdom of God. Interesting. All working together to uh, under in, in the, the beehive of God. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, based on all that, Let's think, uh, Jason, pick us a good final question. I'm always the one who comes up with the final question of the night. Yeah, okay. Jason. So All right. I'll still save myself for last. I have that privilege, but, um, what's a good final question of the night? The final question is pick one way in which you will commit to being more industrious in your life. Well, I guess I'm going first because John called last. You're not going to answer your own question right away. So yay. I mean, I can. No. Um, yeah, I'll go first. All right. So what was the question again? How am I going to commit to? How are you going to commit to being more industrious and inculcate the beehive in your life? So I think that, one way I will do it is to be mindful that I'm doing more quality industry versus quantity industry, because again, checking the box and, you know, saying you did a good deed for the day does, does not a Mason make. So I think that making sure that I'm careful and I curate the types of things I choose to spend my time on, will help me to be that industrious type of Mason that is, is actually adding to the stock of common knowledge as, as John referenced. Um, yeah, I, I hate busy work for busy sake. I've, I've never been a fan of that. And Amen. I think there's a lot of things in, unfortunately, there's a lot of things in speculative Freemasonry that are busy work, but um, yeah, I think that, as I continue to at least try to live my life as a Mason a little bit every day, I will again, be more choosy with where I spend my time and think about does, does this time commitment or this effort I'm putting in, does it improve me? Does it improve those around me? Does it improve my life at home and my life in the world? And then by that extension, those around me as well. And if it doesn't, maybe I don't need to do it. Um, so Yeah. Uh, so Jason, 
how are you going to commit to being more industrious <clears throat> in your usual vocation? It's a hard question. Brilliant man. Who would, ask, who would ask such a thing, really? Um, for me, as much as I love the idea of contributing to building the broader body of knowledge, um, I feel like that's the safe route for me to go. Perhaps what I would commit to would be more on the practical philanthropy side of um, trying to exert more energy in mentoring those around me and, um, you know, just being a, a confidant and, uh, and an, an ear and, and a, you know, tongue of good report and, and wise counsel. I like it. Very good. All right. Over to me. Um, See, there's a good good comment here. Sunk cost fallacy. You had me at sunk cost fallacy. So subwoofers 104 says the busy work is a bad attempt to anchor people due to the sunk cost fallacy. Well, I'm, I've already been doing it. It's the, the way we've always done it, right? It doesn't mean it's the right thing to go forward, but we've invested so much time and effort. That's not doesn't matter. Talking about. Exactly. Cut, cut bait. If you know, it's not working, if it's not adding value, stop it and, and pivot to something better, which this is very timely, a very timely question you ask because um, there are some coaching skills that I have that really help change people's minds and I'm not doing enough to promote that. And so, um, what I mean by that is I, I've had people come back to me years later and say, because of something that we talked about, it, it completely changed my worldview and I've, I'm thinking differently about it. And I've done these other things that have improved because of that. And so I'm not saying it to improve it to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it that I don't do, I don't encourage that skill set enough in myself, right? So if it's helping people, why don't I do more of that? That's what I'm chewing on right now. That's what I'm struggling with because that's a really good question that you asked Jason. So how, how am I going to commit to, if I know it's helping the greater good, if I know it's helping people in society, if I know that it's contributing to the common body of knowledge, why, why aren't I doing it more? And so, so I think the, you know, you've, you've inspired something in me, Jason. So I really appreciate uh, the little nudge there. So now you now I'm going to be up all night thinking about what, what to do about that. So <laughs> thanks for, thanks for giving me insomnia. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, this was fun. Learned a lot. Uh, it was a really, uh, interesting path that we took, uh, through, through the beehive. So, um, with that, I do want to say thank you all very much for watching and we will see you uh, next week. So have a good night. Keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow. Venus bees.